You're listening to the Screening in Kingston podcast. For more on Screening in Kingston, more episodes, info about our movie clubs, and a lot more fun movie content, visit screeningandkingston.com. because for the first time in a while we're both going to talk about a movie that we're reviewing today yeah we can have a conversation about <laughs> so un- uncharacteristic of us i know Normally it's just us talking at the other at each other exactly yeah. today can be you know we can it's it'll be like a tennis match you know pass it back and forth see who has something interesting to serve up about Blackberry. That'll be fun. Very exciting. We haven't done that in a while. Um, I also, I'm, I'm really intrigued to tell you about a Wes Anderson movie that I saw. Like, I'm kind of excited about that. I'm quite interested to hear your experiences. I don't know a ton about it. Um, so, yeah, I'm really, I'm looking forward to hearing about it. Dan asked, Dan said, uh, are you going to go see the new West Anderson movie? And I said, you know, I, I think I'm saving my in-person movie for the Barbie movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the I'm one. Eh? Try. Well, you know, cause like we've been amping it up so much yeah, and people are excited. Um, we're going to have that little, that episode uh, with the reviewing the bar, like the, the Barbie, the animated Barbie movies before yes. it. So I said to Dan, Oh, I think, you know, and the baby will be a month older then. I'll be more confident to leave him alone for two hours. So anyways, <laughs> I'm saving my in-person movie-going experience for Barbie. I will have to wait to see Asteroid City. Yes. I think that's a dumb name. They should have called it City. Atomic City. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, it's, I, it's the name of the, just the city in the movie. But I, one thing I will say. <laughs> One thing I will say, Taylor, about yeah. this movie is I'm not, I'm, I never do spoilers, but I'm not going to go into too much about the actual plot of the movie because not knowing anything kind of helped for me. Like right. it was kind of interesting to go in knowing absolutely nothing. Yeah. So I, I won't spoil it, but I, I certainly do have some things to say about it. Like it was, uh, it was a fascinating movie going experience as it is with Wes Anderson. Like you're, you're a big Wes Anderson fan. Huge. I'm not, but I have enjoyed most of his movies. Just some of them have missed for me and some of them I really, really like. So I'm kind of just more back and forth on, on him as a director. So I will say like this seems to me like the most Wes Anderson-y movie in existence. But they know. say that every time he comes out with a I know. Movie. They always, <laughs> People like, always say this that. This is the most Wes Anderson Wes Anderson has ever been. But yeah, you say that every movie. So is he just upping the ante, or I do think you just so. don't know <laughs> don't know how to review his movies? I think I think he's upping the ante because this one, like, yeah, this. But I one thing I will say because I did eventually watch the French Dispatch. Was that yeah, the, I didn't. Yes. I didn't care for that one. Yeah, I didn't care for that one either. And I think a lot of the things that they do in the framing device for Asteroid City is a lot better. Like the framing right. device they build makes the story that much more interesting 
and that much more intriguing in a lot of ways. So I kind of liked the framing device. Whereas, yeah, I, in the French Dispatch, I yeah, I didn't care the for vignettes. I didn't care yes. for the the vignettes. Yes. Um, yeah. I will say, you know, comparing it to like um, Rushmore, for instance, versus like the Grand Budapest Hotel, mm-hmm. they are like his movies do increasingly become more stylistic. Like 100%. Rushmore, the Royal Tannenbaums, they're still, even the Darjeeling Limited, they still feel like they exist in our world. You know what I mean? Yes. Whereas like the Grand Budapest Hotel, like the color palette, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Like It, just, it seems yeah, like it was created by aliens who, who are like, this is what humans are. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just like a little off, you know? Like aliens who love us, who like yes, love, who love us. Yes. Yes. But they, yeah, they, uh, yeah. It's a love yeah. letter to humanity, but it's just like a little wrong. We're like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just a little off. So like the critics, I guess, are right. But yeah, they, they need to come up with a better line. The I most West Anderson it's ever been. Like, okay. I think it's also the language. Like the thing I, I've noticed in Asteroid City and some of the ones he's done recently is like his use of language, like his scripting and the way he like likes to use words is so specific in a way. And it's so unique to him that I think this movie really amps that up. Like everyone, everyone seems like they're speaking in a monotone way, yet also with emotion, which is pretty incredible. Like that's kind of what's the interesting thing about his work in my mind is that you can have people and there's certain people like Jason Schwartzman who gets, who gets him, who understands his stuff. And then there's Tom Hanks. Who so weird isn't a hundred? Isn't really a Wes Anderson actor in my opinion. No. <laughs> like after seeing this movie, like Jason Schwartzman, a hundred percent. Even like so, Jeffrey Wright is in this movie. Excellent. I don't know if he's know. been in other ones, but I don't he's know very who that good. Is. Jeffrey Wright. Um. Oh, what was so he he played he played Alfred in the most recent oh, like the, Bat, the Batman. Yes, yes, yes. And he was in, in yeah. Westworld. Westworld. Yes, Westworld. And Hunger Games. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know if he's been in other Wes Anderson movies. Yeah, I don't know either, but he was he was excellent. Like if he was a first timer with with Wes Anderson, he did he did a great job. I wonder too if because Wes Anderson is like so popular now, um, he's able to get like bigger. Well, I guess I don't know. Like Jeffrey Goldblum is a big actor, and yeah. Um, like he always has like kind of household names, but like Tom always, Hanks yeah. really throws me through a loop. But we'll get to it. We'll get to we it will. in your review. We'll talk about it. Um, yeah, I got a lot of hate for yeah. Tom Hanks <laughs> and Scarlett Johansson. And what? They're both in it. <laughs> they're definitely both in the movie. Yeah. I roll. Okay, but yeah. I'll we'll get we'll to get it. we'll, we'll get, get to it. it. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the summer box office because we're officially at the kind of mid mid-season point for the summer movie season so i'd like to get into some box office numbers it's kind of a kind of a little side passion of mine is looking at numbers and diving into them and i've got some i've got some fun things on the fly taylor i've just come up with to ask you about to put you on the spot so we'll do that but before we get there i just want to give a quick thank you to everybody who supported uh, the screening room in their funding drive that is still going on right now you can you can still donate uh, on their website, but um, we sent in our donation on behalf of Screening in Kingston. Taylor, I believe you wrote a check. Which was I important. did, and I sent it snail mail. Checks in the mail. You'll see it in three to five business days. 
Um, <laughs> so, so we just want to give a thank Maybe you. Maybe let Wendy know. Yes, yeah, it's yeah, it's definitely let Wendy know it's on its way. Um, we just want to give a thank you to everybody uh, who, who participated. I, I know there's more fans out there who, if given more time, would probably have participated. But I just wanted to give a shout out um, to those who were able to. So thank you, obviously, to you, Taylor, um, to myself, to Bill and Kathy Shepard, uh, to Lily, to producer Austin, to Chris, friend of the show. Nice. Um, and to Tyler Vance. Uh, and uh, to Maxine, who I don't oh. know at all. So Ooh. I don't know who you are, Maxine, but thank you so much for participating yeah. with the rest of our screening in Kingston standards, our normies, our regular. <laughs> our, our normies. I don't, I don't know what to call them. Fans you know, of the show. Fan, fans of the show. Thank you to everybody for participating. I know the screening room uh, appreciates your support, and I'm glad we were able to do something as a podcast for them. Yeah, so, fun. Um, all right, let's get into some domestic box office numbers. So this is just domestic. So I'm just sticking to North America totals, main, mainly U.S., but I think North America, I think Canada's thrown in there. Um, so not worldwide totals. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about where, where movies are, because this summer movie season is definitely outpacing last summer movie season, but isn't quite back to where it was wow. number-wise as it was pre-pandemic. And the so question is, will it ever be? Probably not. I mean, some of the some of the big movies still do well. I think you're seeing people obviously go to more options, like with streaming and everything, they have more options for things. So maybe not. Maybe we'll never get back to it. But the big Tedpool movies do quite well. Like the big, I big think ones. probably people are just being more discerning in their movie tastes. Like, um, They'll go see the big ones, but then they'll mm. wait. Because, like, I remember, well, we're not normal. But, like, literally, you go to the movies, like, every week. Or, like, mm. or like for a more, like, quote-unquote normal person, multiple times a month. Like, more than once a month. Before, even before I we did the radio show. Like, I was yep. going multiple times a month. Definitely. But, like, now, if it wasn't for the show, I wouldn't be going to the movies multiple times a month probably over yeah. the big ones or waiting to and then I would wait to rent. Yeah. Yeah, and I think like right now I made it I made it a goal this summer to go physically to the movie theater more often. So right. I've I've had a good streak going like since for the summer I've been going every week for several weeks, like once a week to see whatever the big movie is, but I'm I'm doing that on purpose. Like I'm trying to make time on the weekend to go once to try to get out there. But you're probably right. Like if it wasn't for the show, would I be doing that? Probably not. Maybe a couple times, maybe twice a month. It, but. Obviously I'm home because of the baby and other stuff, but like I, I would go. Yeah. I don't know. It's so hard to say, right? Like everything we would talk about, like how we're going to return to normal. We're returning to normal after the pandemic, but like, are we, I don't know. Maybe some people are living their lives like they've lived, like, there were those people who were like, the pandemic never happened. You know what I mean? They lived their life like there was no pandemic, the whole pandemic. But like, <laughs> yes, I, yes. but I don't know. I don't know. It's so hard to say. Eh? Like, Yeah, it is. I think it's hard to say because you just don't know. And moving forward, we have no idea kind of where things are going to go. But it is interesting to me that we're seeing a bit of a bounce back. Like, again, it's not to pre-pandemic levels, but at least it's like better than last summer. And last summer had some really big movies. 
that did do well. So the fact that things are spreading out a little bit this summer is at least a good sign for, for those movie lovers. Um, so I'm going to go through uh, and talk some numbers here. Now, Taylor, what we're going to do is this. I'm going to tell you the number one movie and how much money it's made. That's right. what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you number one so far right now what's leading the summer. Then I'm going to give you five, like the next four options for the top five. And I'm going to ask you to put them in order of what you think. Okay, I wish I had a, so far. a pen and paper, but we'll do this. We'll make it okay. work. Okay. Okay. So the number one movie right now for the summer, that this is everything releasing basically since April. This is April till now. Right. Movies. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Which is number has, one? Is number one. Which hmm. has made in the in like domestic totals, so in North America, has made just over three hundred and fifty million dollars. Okay. So that's what it's made. It's it has been in four thousand four hundred and fifty different theaters, and it opened May fifth. So that's its kind of total gross. So that's number one. So now, wow. in no particular order, I'm going to give you two through five, but in a different order, and I'm going to have you put them in an order. Got it. Okay. So. The Little Mermaid, okay. Transformers: Rise of the Beasts, Spider-Man: Across the Spider-Verse, Fast X, and these are the top five. These are the top five in no particular order, and you're going to order them now from two to five. What you think is between you know Fast X, Little Mermaid, Transformers, that like Spider-Man. The way you put that. In- put that i'm like yeah that makes sense that's the top five but you said that <laughs> you it's didn't not. put them in order nope no okay. they're not in order right now i think the bottom is fast x whatever because mm-hmm. i heard it's not doing very well and then maybe spider-man little mermaid transformers but you said transformers is doing well i think it's yeah, it's doing. Um, I think it's doing a bit better than they expected. But I will say, you know, it's not. It's not like knocking it out of the park, but it is doing better than they expected. Oh, it's hard thinking... because it's it's expectations, right? Too. So it's kind of hard. Like Fast X is doing fine, but like not compare. Not when I'm gonna throw. I'm gonna throw you some numbers of what that's losing later. But, right. Uh, <laughs> okay. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do. So number one is Guardians of the Galaxy, which yep. personally I find surprising but it's also been in theaters longer so the longest yeah, yeah. um then i'm gonna say little mermaid because of the okay. disney crowd so you're saying little mermaid is two spider-man is three okay fast x is mm-hmm. four transformers is last okay so taylor you got two of the four correct uh, okay so <laughs> In in second place right now, with just just around three hundred and sixteen million dollars uh, at the box office, Spider Man Across the Spider Verse. So Spider Man is number two. I think I had that first, and then I switched to the. Little, and then you little switched them around. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but but Little Mermaid's third. Okay. In third, the Little Mermaid, and then you got the other two. F- Fast X is in fourth, and Transformers: Rise of the Beasts is in fifth. That checks out for like highest box office because like those are all the big movies. Yeah, and that's you know two. I mean? That's two hundred and seventy, like over two hundred and seventy million dollars for The Little Mermaid. Um, Fast X has one hundred and forty-four million, like over one hundred forty-four. Transformers: Rise of the Beast, one hundred and twenty-three. So it kind of checks out. But what's interesting is, so Fast X 
has made over $144 million at the box office. It right now stands to lose around $165 million, that movie. That's bananas. But it's the salaries alone. The salaries alone. That well, this movie cost that movie cost just to put on like with production and salaries almost four hundred million dollars. Or four yeah, four hundred million. They were banking for that, the the fandom to come out. I will say one thing about these numbers, uh, about the top five. It is just depressing to me. And I've said this before on the show when we talk about like box office and like what's coming out. None of that is original IP. They're either a remake no. or a sequel. The highest original IP technically would be number eight, which is the Disney Pixar movie Elemental. Because technically it's, it's original. Getting bad reviews. Apparently it's getting bad reviews. Um, but even in terms of like, if you continue along, like the rest, like Super Mario Brothers and the Flash are in here. The Boogeyman, which is a remake. Evil Dead Rises, uh, the next book club movie. Um, but then you get like a movie that just opened No Hard Feelings, um, which is technically original IP, has made only just over $15 million, but that's just open. So that's I want to see it continue. with, uh, oh, what, Jen- what's Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence. I want to yeah. see that. Yeah. That's I on my list of, too. that's on my list yeah. of to see this summer. Yeah. Definitely. But I think, I just think, I, I always find numbers, box office numbers, like really interesting to see like how a movie is, is going. Um, and it's, it is interesting that that's where uh, the movies are. But to me, that's not like a huge surprise, like Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah. big Marvel movie, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, the first Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse movie did very well. So those two don't surprise me. Little Mermaid being the third one. I think Fast X is just not performing to what they wanted because they spent so much money on that movie ding dongs like something before even marketing costs it was something like almost 400 million dollars and for like what for like the like isn't like 95 percent of the movie cgi most of it would be cgi i'm sure they do a little bit of driving around but the salaries of each person like vin diesel and all those individuals are getting paid mad money and they like like helen mirren's in it yeah Charlize theron yeah uh brie larson um that uh, that guy who looks like a foot that everyone likes. I don't. Know. Uh, Jason Momoa. Oh. <laughs> um, I don't think he looks like a foot. It looks kind of like a foot. Hey, I like him as an actor. I think he's like I, you know, he was he's kind of a strange person, but in terms of his acting performances, he's actually a really really decent Aquaman. And other things I've seen him and I've liked him, but yeah, everyone's obsessed yeah. with him and he looks. Like I would, foot. if they cut me a check, I would be in the the fast franchise <laughs> would you <laughs> yeah yeah for that for that amount of money yeah why not that would do it yeah i would be I like so. um oh my gosh i love this actor and i'm completely blanking on his name isn't that so embarrassing um and the only two movies i can think of of him being in are balls of fury and <laughs> will ferrell not will ferrell no uh the ping pong movie oh my gosh I can't name the I, other movie. That now I'm like, it's one of it's a Tarantino movie with the oh, watch okay. scene, the watch scene. <laughs> Anyways, I'm gonna look. Are, hold on. Uh, yeah, people Ball, are gonna be like, "Balls of Fury is it? okay." Who yeah, are you talking he's about? the villain. Yeah, it's Christopher uh, Walken. Okay, all right, Christopher Walken. <laughs> one of my favorite actors, and I'm completely blanking on his name. But what's new? Um, he's he takes whatever movie people offer him. And like he's gone on record being like, yeah, I'll take that movie. He hasn't seen the majority of the movies he's in. 
I really? would be that type of person. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just I'd do like, it. Why not? That explains why he's in Wedding Crashers. Yeah, he just takes apparently. I mean, don't quote me on that, but I read a story once where he was like, "Yeah, I'll just take whatever. No, no big deal. I don't. I don't watch the movies I'm in. Who cares? He must like acting so much that really he doesn't care. So like, I think as long as I didn't think the person making the movie was like a real jerk, you know yeah. what I mean? Like if the like the director or the writer like like has a reputation of like not being nice to work with i would take the movie sure why not so i just quickly looked it up christopher walken is on record saying i simply just love acting i love being on film sets i love doing it i won't say no to any project because i love meeting and working with different people isn't that great what a great it's a pretty good attitude to have actually i'm looking at his filmography he was in click (laughs) <laughs> the Adam Sandler comedy click. Like he's been, he's been in every Batman. Like he's done yep. everything. Hairspray. Huge, biggest, like huge, 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 big, big movies. And then yeah, Balls of Fury, the ping pong movie. That Because his attitude is, why not? Why not? I love That's doing fine. it. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty good attitude. You don't, Everyone you should don't, have uh, that. Everyone yeah, should have that attitude. Why not? I'll do it. You hear that a lot. Yeah. You don't hear that from a lot of people. Well, so many actors are like, That's well the ethan hawks you know like that's beneath yes, me yes we know who's someone else who said the same thing brian cranston is someone who's like i'll, really? I'll do any type of movie oh, oh yeah like he's oh the opposite i thought you were gonna say he was one of those oh no 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 to, to stick his no no, no, no. The, the christopher walken way the christopher yeah. walken way like he i'll do anything nice. like yeah he does and you just, you hope he actually is nice, but he just yeah. seems like a genuine nice person. But the fact that he's also on record, he was in that Godzilla movie. And I think people asked him, of like, oh, like you went from something super serious to Godzilla. And he's like, listen, I, I started in Malcolm in the Middle. Like, yeah. I'm not going to look down on anything. Like these, these types of movies are- I'm a sitcom people. actor. Yeah. He's like, they please people and they get people their start in the business. Why would I look down on it? It's like, well, that's a good attitude. Like that's yeah. a really good answer. Refreshing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so there you so go. So the That's question is, Mike. Yeah. Would you would you be in a fast movie? A fast and furious movie. I I I hate to. Would you take the Ethan Hawke route, or would you I, take? I hate to. I, I I hate to ever be anywhere associated to the Ethan Hawke, but I honestly think a part of me would not want to be in that movie or be a part of it i don't know i think i think okay here's part of the problem taylor like i'm not obviously in the movie industry but i am in the arts industry um and i could just imagine what that set is like and i i would really have a hard time saying yes i I guess any amount of money would be fine but i don't know that's the thing like you would i would only take it take the paycheck if i thought it was going to be a fun time yes like like i would never I would never be in like um, who's the director that does the the um the Transformer movies or at least did like, yeah like he, he has a like a very bad reputation yes on set like I wouldn't do his movies but I don't know who's you know dir- who's, I don't even know, know who's directing Fast the Fast and Furious movie but now I don't even know who it is no, it's just someone know. it's really it's yeah. Vin Diesel but it's just someone I you know who I would be really fascinated to be on set with even though. I know the person in general is like not exactly well liked by people as a person, but Tom Cruise would be someone that I would be fascinated to be on a film set to see his watching method. him work. Yes, just because I'm very curious. Like I know he works hard. I know he takes it seriously. But apparently, according to at least other actors, which again you never know how much they're telling the truth or not. But apparently, he's just a 
pleasure to be around. I I recently saw a story. Apparently, he like makes you feel like a million bucks, even if you're just like the smallest role. You know exactly. Like he treats everyone very very well. And I don't know if you heard about Russell. So Russell Brand uh, was talking about how when he worked with Tom Cruise on that Rock of Ages movie, um, he he went on and on about how Tom Cruise wouldn't recruit him into Scientology. Right. So Russell Brand, as we all know, he's like very like loud. Yeah. Very loud British comedian singer. Very opinion. But I guess he would say things like, Oh, I just wish there was something in my life that would give me more I focus. wish I had direction. Yeah, yeah. And he would say that around Tom Cruise and like he never bit the bullet. Like obviously oh. he's joking, but he never bit the bullet. And like, I don't know, stories like that are just funny. Where it's like yeah. he's not you would some people you think would be preaching their politics or their religion or their beliefs, but it's, it seems like he doesn't do that. And you can say what you want about his beliefs. I know he's had like personal issues, and there's lots of there's lots to unpack there. But on a movie set, apparently, apparently it's quite yeah, quite professional, quite great. So that would be one where I would, in a heartbeat, be like, yes, I would love to watch, just watch him work. And even though even though I have issues with him as a person, Quentin Tarantino would be another one. Where I would kind of just want to watch him work no, more so than anything, just to interested. see what would happen. So okay, so that that's your line. That you that'd would not. Be, yeah. Again, like I don't know if someone's offering me ten million. <laughs> <laughs> you, you might change. Yeah, that. Like, Taylor, I would do a lot for one million, half a million dollars. I would because we're not we're not like fabulously rich, right? Like, but mm. if I was like an actor of a certain caliber sure, who could like sure. turn things down, who could like, do that? Yeah. yeah, like no, I'm not. I'd be like, I'm not interested. See ya. It's true when you're making a certain amount of money and you have that leverage to turn things down, then I think you can be more picky and choosy. And again, it tells you something that all these actors are willing to work with Wes Anderson. Yeah, like all these big names want to work with them, and tells you something. It's not just about the quality of films, it's the quality of experience you give. And, you know, I know you don't like them, but Tom Hanks doesn't have to say yes to this movie. No. Tom Hanks never has to be in another movie again. But you can just work on his typewriters. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Um, All right. Let's review some movies. Uh, Before we get to Asteroid City, let's talk about Blackberry Um, because we both saw it. I've been waiting uh, to review it with you because I know you wanted to see it. we, we're going to talk about this one. It's a Canadian movie, woo, Taylor. Woo. We get to talk about a Canadian movie with real-life Canadian actors. Produced by the CBC. And then I apparently picked myself <laughs> saying, like, is this going to be on CBC Gems, like, next week? And I paid <laughs> $17.99 to watch this. But no. It's, no, I it think was they're good. still going to collect their money. It was good to um, pay money to support the Canadian Yes, arts. exactly. The Canadian so. arts. And a Canadian story, which was yeah. nice. So let's uh, let's get into it. So Taylor, what are your initial thoughts on Blackberry? Well, I was very excited to see this movie because A. J. Bearshell was attached. I don't think he wrote or directed, but he is one no. of the leads. Glenn Howerton is the other lead. Love him from It's Always Sunny and AP Bio. Um, and then, of course, it being such a local story, especially because I went to the University of Waterloo and RIM, Research in Motion, Blackberry... Huge, huge, huge. And also, I was a huge Blackberry fan. So, you know, it hit all of the things. I was like, oh, I want to see this. The one thing I will say is, from the trailer, I thought it was going to be a comedy. I don't know if you felt the same (laughs) way, Mike. No, I didn't, actually. Okay, I I, thought it was going to be a comedy. 
Um, or like a like a what did they call that? Like dramedy, a drama, dramedy, like yeah, drama, dramedy. dramedy. Yeah, because yeah. Jay Baruchel is like a comedic actor. He is, yes. And um, Glenn Howerton also like does com- comedy. Like even though he typically plays like ang- like quote unquote angry characters, it's always Sunny and AP Bio are both like uh, com- comedy sitcoms. Yeah, comedy sitcoms. So I, I've never seen either of them actually before this movie in a non comedy. Right, like that's they that's just what they generally have been doing, and I guess just like some of the pacing of the trailer, I thought, oh, it's going to be like a, a dark com a black comedy dramedy, but um, it's not. <laughs> it's, it's a a what would you would you say it's a drama? Maybe? I would say it's a drama. Like yes, I mean it's a it's a biopic drama with like there's some comedy sprinkled in there. Right, but the comedy right. more comes out of a few characters yeah. more so than it is out of what's happening. Yeah, I would call this a drama more so than than anything. Pretense and like the way it's filmed, it's like filmed very tensely. The way it's yes. edited together. Um, it's not. That's what ed- makes it feel to me really much like a drama. Is the way it's filmed. I wasn't yeah. expecting that. Like it felt like a very tense drama with a bit of like a thriller overtone. Like yeah. you felt the ticking clock a lot yeah. in this movie. Yeah. And for people, it's not a spoiler because it's literally public knowledge. No. BlackBerry um, was like one of the hugest, biggest companies um, for cell phones, and then completely. Like it's essentially like non-existent. Like Black I hated Bay's it still... too. I loved my BlackBerry, and I hated that they went away. I loved my BlackBerry. If if I could get a BlackBerry, I probably would have a BlackBerry over an iPhone. Me and too. I think I also wouldn't be addicted to my phone the same way. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, probably. <laughs> because like an iPhone is like I know like BlackBerry is like a, a the first computer phone whatever, but like I wasn't inclined to like go on Instagram. I don't know. Like I was much more restrained on my BlackBerry. It, it, it was like yeah, I had my BlackBerry at the right time for me because I had just started my theater company and it was such the perfect thing to check emails, yeah. to be connected to social media, but not necessarily like I more used to keep an eye on things. Not necessarily to like tweet on social media. Right? Right. I had the apps, but it was mainly like I could check my BlackBerry because I'm walking from a meeting to somewhere else and I need to see, oh, did I get an email? I'm not necessarily going to respond unless it's a quick message. But for the most part, it was just, okay, I, I can go to rehearsal and still check my emails in case someone from media contacts me or in case something's going on. Like it was, it was the perfect business phone. And that's what I really loved about it. I still don't have, like, I still haven't gone over to iPhone, but I mean, I have like a, a Google phone, which is basically an Android, but it's a, it's a iPhone essentially. Like nothing has really come close to that Blackberry feeling. The keyboard. Like I they talk about it. But <laughs> I, yeah, the, the click, the, the click, click of the keyboard. Um, so long as like, so needless to say the Blackberry is not making phones anymore. Um, is I, Went on Wikipedia. I think all of the CEO, former CEOs, are doing just fine. They're all multimillionaires. Like it's they're okay, but the company itself is not the behemoth it once was. So you go into the movie knowing that this is essentially a documentary about, uh, or a movie. Sorry, it's a movie about essentially a disaster, like a meltdown, right? Essentially, yeah. And so, like the rise my, and fall. Yeah, the Mike, the way you described the like the ticking, like the ticking time bomb, like. That's what the movie feels like while watching it. Like, it's pretty tense. And mm-hmm. um, the character Glenn Howerton plays, I want to say Jim. 
Jim, Jim, right? Jim Ball's Jim, silly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's like so tightly wound. You know what I mean? Like when he comes on screen, it's like he's like two seconds away from exploding. So like the, the way time. that it was <laughs> yeah. cut, yeah, the way I when I was listening to um the It's Always Sunny um podcast, they did an episode just about um him and Charlie's new movie. So they kind of reviewed Blackberry before I got to see it. And they mm. describe Jim as like most people like are maybe like a two or three and then like they can go to a 10 he's an eight and co- can go to a, an 11 you know 11. what i mean like he walks in the room like he's already like so simmering close to the surface he's like essentially a 10 even before you know yeah. the other character speaks which is very a, that's where a lot of the comedy comes from too right yes like, people it's, reacting it's his, to him yeah right? people yeah. reacting to him and him reacting to the utter mess and disaster yeah. that he walks into like the fact that they're, I really like liked those moments, especially at the beginning, with the fact that this is how they run things, and this is how he's used to running business, and they're, they're polar opposites. Yeah, the way that they were running things before he got there, but which was interesting. Like I thought, I thought they did a good job with that that aspect of it. And apparently, it's pretty true to life. The character that um, Jay Baruchel plays, um, Mike, um, was apparently the like kind of the tech like he was like the The engineering genius and then jim was the business genius and essentially um what like made them successful was also what led to their downfall um because that like co co co-leadership apparently i was reading a little bit afterwards which they don't really get into in this movie but apparently from like a a business point of view that co-leadership ended up in like gridlock near the end of the partnership which yeah. kind of led to Blackberry's demise. They don't the dem, the way they portrayed in the movie is more like um, Mike was like unyielding in his creative vision, mm. and then Jim was like absent. Yes, because he was but trying like, to buy a hockey team, which, which apparently Taylor, was true. Uh, yes, and he okay. So two two quick things on this. One, I remember this happening. I because I'm I'm a huge hockey fan, yeah. so I remember when this happened. And he was on Hockey Night in Canada. Like they brought Jim Balsillie on to talk about him purchasing the Pittsburgh Penguins. Like it was on there. And then him not getting the team and getting in trouble for not telling them he's going to move the team. Um, and then guess he did it again. Apparently three times. He tried to buy a team three times, which in the movie they conflated just to like one. <laughs> to, to one. Yeah. He tried to, I know he tried to buy Nashville almost immediately after this. <laughs> like he was he was and not like, allowed no! to buy Pittsburgh. And then he did it again. Like who who goes back again after getting in trouble for lying to them? That's and, just his you, personality, I guess. But that's I his guess person- it's just, yeah. It's very indicative of yes. that bombastic, I can do whatever I want. Which I thought was so funny to see because no I was wondering going in, I'm like, oh, the only thing I know about this guy is that he tried to buy Pittsburgh Penguins and a couple other hockey teams. Like I knew that, but I didn't know really about the Blackberry story. So I was wondering if they were even going to go into it. And it's yep. a big part of the downfall, the beginning of the downfall. Yeah. It checks out. <laughs> um, and I think they do it because it just really shows his personality. It does. Right? Like yeah. that, yeah. that he's so unyielding in his vision. So, um, yeah, I, I really liked the movie. I will say that maybe the second half of the movie, maybe not even like the whole, like cause the movie's two hours. The, right. it doesn't, this movie like warrants two hours. Like I didn't feel like it dragged, mm. but I found maybe like 
the last act of the movie not as interesting right, as like the right. first two right. acts of the movie but that's not it's hard to say like was that a problem of writing or is it just like it's not that interesting of a story to begin with you know what i mean mike like yeah. i don't know like was it the fault of the filmmakers or was it just like kind of a lack like um lunch bag let down in terms of the story itself well that's kind of the thing like you don't if you do too much with the story to change it to make it more dramatic then people will accuse you of over dramatizing history and i think like people don't always realize that like history is relatively boring yeah um human especially business history yeah like it's just boring so i think i do think that it's not the fault of the film i think they were trying to be as close to reality as possible and like nothing else happened after the events that we saw like it's it's more just the boring nuance of because he never went to prison and he basically Jim Balsillie and he was able to avoid even though he was doing a lot of very illegal things but he was able to avoid the you know the tax police and all these different people because because of like just weird laws that would have been boring to watch in like a courtroom scene like it's just not interesting or dramatic so yeah. i think the last third I, being know, tax court yeah tax imagine? Like I, <laughs> yes i don't think that i think that would have really slowed the movie down so i kind of like the fact that where they they ended it where they did um where they just basically showed because the blackberry the device had an arc yeah it went from one point to another and you saw its complete arc like my problems with the movie which aren't many but my nitpicky problems were i just felt that for like the main characters, I didn't really see them go through any sort of arc. Like even uh, Mike, who is played by um, Jay Baruchel, he kind of begins and ends the movie in sort of the same spot. Like I know he's kind of become a little more obsessive with with his vision and where he's going. And he kind of quote unquote changes because he does things that he claims he will never do at the beginning of the movie. See, I thought he did later. have an arc. But, I thought yeah, like but... the gym... And there's that one scene, so this isn't like a huge, I don't think this is a spoiler, but near the beginning of the movie, um, Mike says to Jim, let's promise never to lie to each other. Mm. And Jim says, okay, agreed. And then in the third act of the movie, they both lie to each other, and it's Mike who tells the first lie. Mm. Like, to me, I was like, oh, he's... So it's sort of more of an arc, an arc downward, a downward Yeah, he became, he became like that kind of um, the unscrupulous businessman that yeah. like he definitely was not at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, yeah. And he lies in the that, boardroom. Yeah, he does. Yeah, to AT and T or whatever. Yeah, AT and yeah. <laughs> I don't even know if they exist anymore. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't. I don't think so. Um, and you know what's really interesting? The guy who was kind of uh, Mike's partner at Doug. the beginning. Doug, he was the smartest one of all of them because he yeah. sold his, like, uh, like unknowns to everyone. He sells his stock at the right time. And, like, his problem is, you know, at the thing at the end, the scroll band is like, he's secretly one of the richest people in the world. No one's <laughs> like, that's smart. Wow. Yeah. But apparently, I did a little research. Doug and Mike are still very close friends because the movie made us yeah. see. Oh, I can't get into spoilers, but. It did make it seem like there's a, a riffle, like yeah. a, a bit of an issue there. But I think, yeah, I can see that, though. Because really, the, the real tension was created between Mike and Jim and the various things that they were each trying to do and their lack of communication. And, like, Jim being absent, Mike being obsessive. And, like, that's what they focused on. 
Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, I think like I could see I could see Mike and Doug's relationship surviving that because I the two of them didn't like they only had really one dramatic moment between the two of them. But again, I feel like that's you can come back from that. Um, so yeah, I I could see that. What's your take on Jay Jay's acting? I thought he was really good. Um, I I mean, I think Jay Baruchel is good. I've just never seen him in this kind That's of That's why I was curious role. about you. I've yeah. only ever seen him in comedies. Me me too. I've never seen him in anything like this before. And I will say that I thought he w- he did very well. Like huh. he 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 did a very good job. I think he fit the role very well. He played it very well. Um, you know, he I think both him and Glenn Howerton were were good together. They like were good I thought foils. Yeah, like they were they, their dynamics was really good. I thought they fit the character. I always believed what was going on and I kind of like saw um saw a lot of like good interesting tension between the two, interesting conversations. Like the the dynamic between the two of them was quite was quite good. Um so yeah, I I really liked the acting. I thought the acting was really well done. I thought overall I really liked this movie. Um I thought it was really well done. I thought that for again, for, I was about to say something that would get me in some trouble. Yes, but that's <laughs> but honestly, that's earned. That's earned. Yeah. I'm sorry, Canada has produced a lot of garbage when it comes to mainstream films. This is not one of them. Uh, this is a very good, excellent movie made by Canadians with a lot of Canadian content in it about a story that happened here in Canada in Waterloo. Um, it, it all worked for me like it it was a really well done movie and i i thought jay baruchel was a really good choice kind of surprising now that i've seen the movie i'm like wow i can't believe they considered him for this like that yeah, i wonder if he's friends choice. i don't mean to be rude but it's like was is he friends with the director you know well, like maybe, when you get your buddy because this isn't usually this isn't his people like jay baruchel's in the seth rogan crowd right yeah. like seth rogan james franco like that crowd like that's where he's kind of in the freaks and geeks crowd so um, it was written and directed by Matt Johnson, who also who played, played Doug. Doug. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if they know each other. Like, I don't know. Maybe. But I, to me, he it seemed Canadian. a little random. He Doug's is Canadian. Canadian. And like, okay, yeah. and you know, it's um a small, small world, like the Canadian mm-hmm. filmmaking world, right? So. And, you know, they probably wanted to work with other Canadians, which again, good on them. Like that's, that's good. It's just, there are other, there are other more mainstream Canadian actors who, who you probably would have thought of thinking like, okay, we need someone who, who can do this. Also, do something. I don't know if you looked up what the real life Mike looks like. They don't look anything alike. No, that, that does not surprise me. No, I didn't look them up, but that, they... that does not surprise me. <laughs> so another reason why it's like, really Jay Baruchel. Because, like, when you're doing, like, a biopic, typically you try to get a little bit, like, the the likeness, would you Normally, not say? Yeah, I, no. I would say so, yeah. The only thing is that they both have white hair. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what... The, I mean, Jay Baruchel doesn't have white hair, but they they gave him a wig or dyed it or did yeah, something. Yeah, but you, that's what I mean. Like, the only yeah, yeah. likeness is that they dyed his hair to match the real guy's hair. Yeah, so that that makes it even more curious. Like, maybe there is, like, it was a friendship thing or whatever. But either way, who cares? Like, it doesn't matter it how good. you get through the door. It's what you do when you get there. Yeah, and he was it was good. good. Like, he did, a good, he did a good job. I mean, like, this movie is being well-received by critics, which I think is a very good thing for 
hopefully future films that are filmed in Canada have Canadian production behind it are considered Canadian films because this has a lot of um, this has a lot of good critical response so far, which is great. Like it might win a couple awards here and there. It might at least get nominated for a few awards here and there. Like it might actually get some attention outside of Canada, which is really, really good. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. Um, what's your rating then for Blackberry? What are you giving it? It was a see it for me. Um, even with like the last act of the movie kind of, I don't want to say dread. It, it wasn't that it dragged. It was just that I was like, it was just not as interesting as the first half of the movie. If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, um, I can see what you're saying. Yeah. If anything, I'd be like, oh, could there have been like 20 minutes more to make it like zhuzh it up a little bit? I don't know. But needless to say, yeah. um, it was a see it for me. I think, again, pretty much everything you said, Mike, like it's a Canadian movie, a Canadian story, Canadian actors, um, and it's very good, which is like a little unusual. <laughs> For our film film industry. Like, it felt like an American movie. It felt like an American movie. It did. Not that. Again, I was going to. felt like a real movie. Yeah. (laughs) I was about to say. Not that, like, oh, like a quote unquote Hollywood movie is the standard, but, like, it felt like something that could have been produced in Hollywood. You're you're going to have people go see this movie who who just go see movies. Yeah. And they and they will enjoy it. Because I'm with you, Taylor. I'm giving it a see it as well. I think it's worth going to the movies to see. I think it's an entertaining film. It's a nice night out. It's an interesting story. When you have good actors, a well-written script, and you care about the source material that you're putting together and you put forth a good movie, this is what happens. So I yeah, love I love watching Canadian movies and them talking about places that we know like as Canadians the way (laughs) that like Hollywood movies talk about American places you know what I mean like in a Hollywood movie you can talk about a town in a in a state and it doesn't take you out of the story even though you've never been there but I find sometimes with Canadian productions they're like afraid to do that because American audiences are going to be like alienated right like where's Waterloo like it doesn't matter if you don't know where Waterloo is you know what I mean? Right. Um, it right. doesn't matter if you don't know about Cops Coliseum in Hamilton. But because we do know about Waterloo and Hamilton and stuff, it's nice to be able to watch a Canadian story and be like, yes, I know Waterloo. I know Toronto. I know Hamilton. Great. Yeah, it, it's true. And it is nice to have that. And it's Unapologetic, it is really nice, you know? Yes. And it is really nice to see things that we know on screen like that and, and look that in that way. Like, even like I felt a little interested, like you never see of all the sports leagues, the National Hockey League is the one talked about in film the least. Like hockey is not where the other sports are, especially in America. So it was also even kind of nice just to see that where they're, you know, he's going to the NHL offices and talking about buying the arena in Hamilton. Like it just, yeah, you're right. It, it really did just, you know, leaves you with kind of a nice feeling of like, oh yeah, I know these places. It's kind of nice to see. Yeah. Um, there you go. Blackberry, two recommendations. Go check it out. Um, okay, so I uh, I saw Asteroid City, the new Wes Anderson movie. Um, big, obviously, as we talked about, Taylor, you're a big fan. Um, and I checked out uh, the movie just to see, hey, this is what was playing in VIP. So <laughs> that's why. <laughs> Gotta get my nachos. Gotta get my nachos and check out VIP. Um, listen, the first thing I will say right off the bat, 
I can understand where some people come from that, that Wes Anderson is just not their thing. Some people right. are not not big fans of his. Some of his movies are hit. Some of it are missed for me. Sometimes I can find the way he creates movies to be a little distracting and a little strange. Um, a little with overproduced. All that, a little overproduced. But I think that's a good way to, to say it, like a little overstylized. Um, the first thing I want to say right off the bat is this movie did a great job of using a framing device that I won't spoil that helps make that everything make more sense a little bit. Like it helps you accept what you're seeing a little bit more, which is nice to see. This was one of, this was a Wes Anderson movie where I kind of left going like, Oh, like that, that kind of makes sense. Like I understand this sort of way of looking at the world through this particular lens. So I really, really did enjoy that. Um, overall, this movie has some things in it that I think would be spoilers. So I'm not really going to get into the plot. The most important thing to know is for one reason or another, all these people end up in this small town that is famous for having a, a crater from an asteroid that struck, which I do believe they said was the one that killed the dinosaurs. They were like 365 million years ago. Mary Wes like Anderson. Mary yes, Anderson like, to claim that the town is where it. the dinosaurs died. Yes, yeah. And they're there because all these particular characters like Jason Schwartzman and Scarlett Johansson, their children were invited here for some sort of science contest thing. Like they were four winners for something that they come here and they're presenting their devices. And it's kind of about these four children and their families all arriving at this spot at the same time. So that's the general premise of the movie. Um, there's a lot of fantastic people in this. So as I said, Jason Schwartzman's in it, Jeffrey Wright, Edward Norton, uh, Brian Cranston, Maya Hawk uh, is, is in the movie as well. Uh, Leah Schreiber, Leva Schreiber, who I wasn't expecting <laughs> to yeah. be in this movie, is is in this movie. Um, he's so got a Wes Anderson deal. Really? I don't know if he's been in his movies before, but that to me isn't surprising casting. Oh, okay. I was a little surprised to see him, but I don't, yeah, I don't, that I don't know. That casting makes more sense than Tom Hanks. <laughs> yes. I mean, I know him from like X-Men and, and, the Wolverine movies and uh you know to me he is like a character actor oh and like okay. Okay. I like Wes Anderson likes character actors yeah. like interesting yeah yeah okay I will say so on the Tom Hanks and Scott Johansson we've got to talk about them Tom Hanks kind of sticks out like a sore thumb in this like in Elvis? He, yeah like he's the one and his role is not that big I will tell you Taylor like he's not Good. in the movie that much like he's not the main focus um so the the things he does like it just the way he speaks in it didn't a hundred percent work for me like again i just think knowing tom hanks in so many different uh contexts i just think that for whatever reason it just didn't land with me um as much as the others scarlett johansson is in the movie a lot yeah. uh taylor you're going to hate her in this movie she's horrible isn't she um well you know she's all right she's okay but I think for, but she's for, for the, Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> that's correct. She's very much Scarlett Johansson, and for the role they cast her in, it it does somewhat work. Like I I think for for who she is, it does it does work. But it is very her. So take that for what you will. Yeah. I don't think you're necessarily gonna enjoy that. Aside from that, 
this is this is a Wes Anderson movie that I think is very accessible. It it was a lot funnier than I expected. Like I laughed a lot. It was it was had a lot of great comedic moments. There's a few in particular that I thought was absolutely well done and hilarious. Um, I think that it with because of the framing device, you accept the world a little bit easier. So if you're not a Wes Anderson fan, I actually think you'll very much enjoy this movie because I'm someone who is down the middle when it comes to Wes Anderson. And I really enjoyed the movie. Like I thought it was excellent and well done. So Wes Anderson fans, I think will love it. And then if you're just a movie goer in general and you've seen some of his movies, like maybe you've liked Grand Budapest Hotel, which is one of the bigger ones. Maybe you saw that one and you liked it. I feel like you will like this movie because it, it is very, very funny. Um, it's a, I mean, the plot's simple. What's going on is simple, but it's very interesting because of the characters. Like this is his most character-driven piece I think he's done in a while, where the plot is less important than what these characters are going through right. and to what they're doing, which is really great. Like he he's a very good character director, um, and I think these characters are are worth watching in a theater. Like I think they they make it work. Um, pretty good performances across the board. Scarlett Johansson, I think, was fine for me, but I think for you, Taylor, you won't uh, you won't like her. Um, but everyone, like Maya Hawk, was excellent. Um, you'll recognize a lot of the other, like uh, Sophia Lills, um, who was in. She plays one of the kids. Uh, she was in the It movies. Oh yeah. Um, she's also in it. She has a very very good. Role oh, it's as nice well. to see Adrian Brody makes an appearance. Adrian Brody does make an appearance. Uh, he's in it as well. Steve Carell uh, also has a small part uh, to play as well. Tilda. Um, so yes, oh yes, I forgot <laughs> Tilda Swinton, um, who Willem, has a fantastic role to play. Willem Dafoe, he's a, he's been in quite a few. Margot Willem Robbie, Dafoe. Margot Robbie, yeah. So Willem Dafoe, Margot Robbie, uh, Jeff Goldblum—they have kind of smaller roles to play. Uh, they do pop up, but they they have a bit smaller roles to play. But they are in it as well. Um, for some of them, blink and you'll miss it. But uh, they they are they are in the movie as well. It really focuses like. It, the the families that arrive here, like Jason right. Schwartzman's family, it really focuses a lot on them. Jeffrey Wright plays kind of a main role in there. Um, most of the kids, like there's a lot of fun scenes with all the kids. He um, does well. Um, I think he directs children very well. West all of them are excellent. So he there's does the four very main well with ones. child actors. And, and they're great. Like the four main ones who are there for the science fair, all four of them are interesting and different and really like, fascinating characters and great and there's also these three like little girls triplets that when you get like really young you get worried about the acting they're hilarious i think what it's um i feel like he treats children children as adults you know what i mean like he thinks children are as interesting as adults and that goes a long way in movies yeah oh and you can see it on screen because the children play such a big role in, in the movie like it, it's, and he does a great job with them. And it really, it's a really, like, it's one of those like well-rounded casts where they're really, there's not too much to worry about. I mean, obviously I'm not a fan of certain people than you wouldn't be, but overall I wasn't hugely distracted by anyone. I just felt Tom Hanks was a little out of place. Um, I think just there's, such I know, a, there's just something. There's such a thing as being like too big of an actor. Like, you know what I mean? Like Tom Hanks. Yeah is so big now that sometimes yeah. it's hard for you. It's like when I saw the Northman, did you watch the Northman Northman? I too? Did. And, yes. um, Oh, what's her name? 
She plays Nicole the Kidman. Nicole, you're like Nicole Kidman. That's Nicole. Ki- that's Nic- you can't stop seeing Nicole Kidman. I think it yeah. bothered me less than you. I think you really didn't like Nicole Kidman in The Northman. It's true. No, it's or... honest. It's true because I felt she was too too big of a name, and I did take away from it because I know she's Australian, and it didn't work in the context of this real movie they were doing. You know, I can see what you're saying. Um, listen, I think Tom Hanks is one of those actors that that can can act in almost every scenario. This right. might be the first time I've ever thought, well, maybe in a Wes Anderson movie, he's not quite there. Like, there's just something about Edward Norton and Adrian Brody and Jason Schwartzman, um, Jeffrey Wright, who just fit. Yeah. Like, they, they just they just fit. But um, I think it's because they feel to me they're even they still feel like character actors even if people right. wouldn't necessarily like probably people don't think of Edward Norton as a character actor. Right. But to me, him and Adrian Brody give character actor vibes. Yeah, I would think so. Like I would yeah, I the the only argument I would say is that they are probably quite well known. Like everybody knows yeah. them. But I see what you're saying. In terms of just their style, they come off as character actors and they do often play character actor roles especially edward norton he he does do this a lot in movies where he comes in plays a specific character does it quite well um and then goes so yeah i mean character actors that that absolutely works but then there's someone like brian cranston who i don't think as as a character actor who did very well in this role now his role is very specific again without giving spoilers like he had a very very specific role to play in this movie and he did it quite well like he it, it worked for him so um, yeah, I just think may- maybe this is the one time that I'll kind of agree with you about Tom Hanks. Um, I still think he's a brilliant actor, but not quite in this world. Um, overall, Asteroid City, it's a see it for me. I definitely think it's worth checking out in theaters, even if you're not a Wes Anderson fan. I think you're really, really going to enjoy this movie. Okay. There you go. Um, that's already, I think it's Sometimes these fly by, Taylor. Um, sometimes they drag, sometimes they fly. <laughs> absolutely. Um, we're, we're into July now, so a lot of fun as we count down to the Barbie movie in the next couple of weeks. We'll definitely make sure to review those Barbie movies. Um, we'll review the Barbie movie. And then I guess at the end of the month, we better review those movies that the actual winner of our Oscar yes. pools picked. It seems um, only fair. <laughs> so it's only fair that I review In the Heart of the Sun or whatever it's called. So Where the we'll, heart uh, is. Whatever. <laughs> I've got it written down sign. somewhere. I'll just Google Natalie Portman. You'll find it. Um, I'll find it. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening, and you'll hear from us next week. Go see some movies.